usda.org. All right, welcome in. It's a Wednesday night. You're listening to News Radio 600 Kogo. Welcome in. It's Darren and Jack. Darren Smith, Jack Crona with you. Between 7 and 8 o'clock, weeknights here on AM 600, the iHeartRadio app. Good evening, everybody, and thank you for being with us. It's the 5th day of January. It's the 5th day of 2022. Jack Crona, good to speak with you. Uh, buddy, good to speak with you. Uh, if you were surprised by some of the things we're going to talk about here tonight, you have been paying attention for two years as California makes some announcements, extends some max mandates, and uh, all kinds of good stuff here today. Yes, we, we have plenty to talk about. It feels like it's going to be another one of those shows where it's pretty much going to be start to finish what's happening in California, what's happening in San Diego. Let's talk a little bit about COVID-19, Omicron, everything else that's somehow related and impacted by the variant or by the virus itself. It just It sort of feels like... A minute into this broadcast, that's probably what we're going to be spending most of our time on tonight. Yeah, and and that comes as California, um, just zero surprise whatsoever, extends the indoor mask mandate by another month from January 15th through February 15th now. So it started in December, going to go now at least until February again. If you're surprised in February when they extend it again... You're not just not paying attention. So we'll see. It'll be reevaluated then. But California is extending that here for another month. What are your observations on the mask mandate up until this point in time, up until this fifth day of January, Jack? I wonder if you've made any observations. Good law-abiding citizen that you are. Every once in a while, I'm sure you go to a grocery store or a pharmacy or wherever it is that you're out and about in public and you're required by the laws of the state of California to wear a mask. I wonder if you have any observations about how human behavior has been since this mandate has been put back in place. I've been to a couple places in California, and for the most part, it has been a general uptake. And I see very few people uh, who aren't wearing one. Of course, I have not seen any sort of enforcement whatsoever, but in my time in California, I've seen very few people who aren't wearing a mask. I also, during some of the previous holidays, spent some time in Nevada. And in Nevada... Virtually nobody's wearing a mask indoors, so it's a much different situation. But in California, uh, I, I see a pretty good uptake uh, as far as that recommendation and now this mask mandate goes. Yeah, it's interesting, too, the whole concept of enforcement and who is responsible for it. Is it societal pressure? Is it a sign? Is the sign just going to protect you legally if you're running a supermarket or, oh, I don't know, an HOA association? Mm. Is that sufficient enough or should there be enforcement with the masks, with mandates, etc.? Is it up to the employees at some of these retail shops and supermarkets and restaurants, etc., to provide the enforcement? Is, is this a legal situation? Will law enforcement show up at different venues and cite establishments and cite different businesses if they're not enforcing mask mandates? The whole concept of enforcement. Now, I would agree with you. By and large, it certainly seems like the public, at least the public where I spend my time when I'm out mm-hmm. and about, seems to be compliant with the mask mandate. I haven't seen any confrontations. I haven't read about many confrontations here in the state of California. I will tell you for the first time, just a couple of days ago, we were off on Monday. I was in a grocery store, and the gentleman who was next in line to me as I was checking out was not wearing a mask. And not only was he not wearing a mask, this wasn't an oversight. He was pretty proud in telling his his buddy that he was proud that he was not wearing it and yammering on about Big Brother and such. And when I checked out, the checkout person then said to him, sir, you need to wear a mask. You need to be wearing your mask. You need to put it on. And he went, oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. And off I went, never turned around to see if, if he put it on. But, I, yeah, that's it. Like, that's the only experience I've had. Now, I've seen plenty of people in different businesses not wearing masks. 
nobody enforcing it, nobody standing guard at the door to make sure that people who are entering into the different businesses that I've been into are wearing it as they are required to do. But that was really it in the, what, three weeks it's been since the man mask mandate has been put in place. That's been about it. And I don't, I was like, well, should I say something? I don't want to say something. But then I'm leaving it up to this checkout person. And, and did she sign up for this? You know, like, it just creates a, a little bit of inner chatter when you're out and about in public and you see the majority of people wearing it, but a select a handful of people, Jack, what feels like the minority of people not. Yeah, and the, the one experience I've had with that was at airports. Uh, at airports, they are very good about uh, kind of spreading the enforcement around, uh, whether it be TSA at the checkpoints, the people checking you in, the people at the gates, and, of course, the people on the actual airplane. As far as enforcement, every step of the way you'll be reminded about wearing masks. That's a federal rule. But it, it would be kind of in California left up to some of these private businesses, which is not an optimal situation, to be honest. So that's why I think just seeing uh, the way that people have handled it, I think California is mostly compliant. Yeah, and, and as I said, the only reason why I even felt compelled to say something wasn't because I found myself going, geez, I really wish this person would wear a mask. What kind of person is this that's not abiding by the law? It was, I didn't want the checkout person at the supermarket to have to get into this confrontation with this person. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't about me. It was like, can we please not put in these employees who have been through so much yeah. in almost two years, can we please not put them into this type of confrontational, potentially confrontational situation. Now, thankfully, the person just played dumb and was like, oh, oh, I didn't know. When he fully was yammering on about knowing that he didn't want to wear one, even though his sidekick was, I just I felt for the person in that situation. I felt for the person who was checking out those at this grocery store. But like I said, there didn't appear to be anything contentious so i you know i kept my my nose out of everybody else's business and i just moved on but you know uh, come on it's gonna be here for another month now at least like you said middle of february we'll see where we're at it will surprise nobody if it's extended by then right. flip side of that though jack is we've also had premature endings of some of these mandates as well so i don't think i'd be surprised if it ended prematurely if all of a sudden we just saw a sharp decline in cases here in the state of California either. Yeah, I guess not. But given the way they were talking today, this is this is something that they're going to keep in place here to February 15th. And again, as you have just said, and as we said at the top, don't be surprised if it gets extended. But of course, uh, to your points, we had some of the color-coded tiers be uh, dropped early too, so who knows? Who knows indeed. Well, it's been an interesting news day in the state of California. Jack, you dropped this on me earlier. The Grammy Awards have been postponed. Yeah. Let's let everybody... I don't know how many people were setting DVRs and waiting for the Grammys. Frankly, I, it's always a bit of a moving target for me. I usually see it advertised during football games. Like, oh, I'd like to watch that. I like watching these different musicians perform. But the Grammy Awards, which were supposed to be at an indoor venue, formerly Staples Center in Los Angeles, Crypto.com Arena, just rolls right off the tongue, or Crypto.com, whatever it's called now. It's not an arena. It's something else. But where are the Grammys going? What's going on here? No date, uh, no postponed makeup date for the Grammys. And the Grammy announcement of a postponement, which was the first in Los Angeles County in an indoor setting. You mentioned the arena that used to be Staples Center, now uh, Crypto.com. 
that announcement came during a kind of flurry of extensions and closures and virtual learning situations, all that here this morning. This is the first week back out of the holidays, and with the cases continuing to rise, even as we got into last night and we'll continue to do tonight, how there are a different set of circumstances, cases are still rising. So we had San Diego State go online with their classes today. UCSD had already announced they were going online for a couple of weeks. San Diego State announcing a vaccine booster requirement for basketball games. Uh, Helix High School closing because they didn't have enough staff uh, to teach students on campus. They were going online for the rest of this week. Uh, And so it was kind of a flurry of activity, and that included the Grammys being postponed. The reason that became part of a different news story was that that's in Los Angeles County. It's in LA. It's an indoor event. Then that added to the mask mandate extension with the rationale being an increase in hospitalizations, not just COVID, but overall hospitalizations in California. When all these stories start to run together and California announces an extension through February 15th, you naturally start to think about other things, including the Super Bowl, which is also coming to L.A. County, albeit an outdoor sport instead of indoors. Huh. But that's in the same time frame. And so as all these things get announced here today, you naturally start to think about different kinds of events and how they fit into rules and regulations. And did you mention UCLA basketball, Jack? No, I'm sorry no, that no, I missed that. Uh, UCLA yep. basketball, indoors, L.A. County, Westwood, one of the most famous buildings in the sport, announcing that it was only going to be family members of those who are participating in the game tomorrow. Now, college basketball, well, you should handle this. College basketball has has just been really in a rough spot here. A hundred different college basketball programs plus have hit the pause button on their season. San Diego State's schedule was impacted by this. University of San Diego's schedule has been impacted by this. UCLA announcing it was going to play a game coming up tomorrow night. USC, I think, made a similar announcement as well. But they're going to be playing, again, what we refer to as ghost games, Jack, playing at least short-term. They haven't put a time frame on this. But UCLA, for certain, tomorrow night is going to be playing without fans in attendance, only family members. So, you know, yes, to your point, if you see that and you're the National Football League and you've got a major event headed to Los Angeles, second week of February, the Super Bowl, you might start looking around and wondering, hmm, what's that going to look like by the time we all arrive in L.A.? Right, because that is February 13th. That's within the mask mandate window. The rationale that was used today by the state of California to extend the mandate was protection of the overall health care system. Not just coronavirus cases in hospitals, but general increase in cases, making sure you don't go over limits, over staffing, over bed space. And that was the rationale for continuing the mask mandate. Well, that falls past by two days the Super Bowl, which is in Los Angeles County. And so, again, with all the things you mentioned, you talk about UCLA and the Grammys. I mean, there's a game in the Bay Area with the University of San Francisco basketball team. They are playing a neutral site game in the state of Utah to try and get a game in. Going outside California against a team from Chicago to try and get a basketball game in. So there's all kinds of things happening here to try and get events in place and abide by local regulations, which, of course, in California and L.A. County, would include the Super Bowl. University of Southern California also has barred fans from indoor events at least through the middle of January. Stanford and Palo Alto, similar policy in place. Don't worry, we're going to look around outside of the state of California coming up here in a little bit, talk about something that happened today in Australia, which is just amazing. But I guess to the point to bring it back locally here, when you hear about San Diego State making changes to its policies at Viejas Arena, 
I, I guess, you know, the saying is the grass is always greener. I guess in in this situation here, as much as there might be some eye-rolling for San Diego State updating its policy now, if you want to go to a San Diego State basketball game starting, I want to say, on January 18th, mm-hmm. you have to be fully vaccinated, which now means requires a booster shot or proof of a negative test, which they are capable of providing for you right there on site with about a half an hour's heads up. Well, Jack, I, it looks like it's looks like like the situation is uncomfortable or inconvenient as that might be for some people who are planning on attending. When you look at UCLA, when you look at USC, when you look at Stanford, when you look as you just mentioned University of San Francisco, I don't I don't it doesn't seem all that bad by comparison. No, not at all. And furthermore, the Cal State system in general, every CSU campus, including San Diego State, has a booster requirement for all students and staff by that January 18th deadline. So this extends it to fans and anybody else who works there or goes there who's going to an indoor event, in this case basketball, at Viejas Arena, got to have your booster. Now, I realize that some people may have gotten their second shot within a five-month time period and not eligible yet. That's kind of a tricky area. But keep in mind, for 35 bucks, you can get a COVID test within 30 minutes at SDSU to go to that game. So, you know, most people are within the booster window now, so that's simply a requirement extension of the Cal State mandate, in this case, for basketball. All right, that's a lot. That's a lot of information right there. We got a lot of updates again, and we haven't even really scratched the surface on some of the stuff we're going to be talking about tonight, huh? It's true. I mean, again, the, the, you'll see the headlines of the mask mandate being extended. You'll see the response from Dr. Mark Galley, who's the top doctor in the state, the Health and Human Services Secretary, responding to questions about the Super Bowl. There, there is a lot. You can link those stories. These are reasonable questions. I, I don't see much changing, but these are reasonable things. Yeah, actually, do we have something from Mark sure. Galley when he was asked specifically about, hey, you know, there's a pretty significant sporting event coming to Los Angeles on February 13th. How are we doing? The Super Bowl represents people coming not just from California or Los Angeles, but from far and wide to multiple events. And we are working, you know, L.A. County is closely in contact with the NFL to make sure that strategies are put in place to ensure that people can enjoy this important event while making sure that we put things in place that allow COVID mitigation to be an important feature of the approach to that game that is just over a month away. Yeah, and you know, it's an international event, Jack. I just now realize this. I wonder what international travelers, people who might be covering the event, international media, I'd have to take a refresher course on what the protocols are for those people who are coming from London, who are coming from Mexico, who are coming from Canada to cover this event. Keep in mind, anybody going to the Super Bowl, going to visit family, hanging out in the United States, anybody flying into the United States, or not, visitor or not, needs a negative test within one day to get on an airplane to come here to the United States. So that doesn't change. Those are the protocols there. I imagine you have vaccine requirements and other stuff specific, but the... The negative test is what gets you into the country. Yeah, again, and and part of the reason why we're talking about this, why Dr. Mark Galley was asked about this today, the story popped up that the NFL, in the middle of a COVID-19 spike here all across the United States, has actually started looking in to potential sites for the Super Bowl if, for whatever reason, Los Angeles is unable to host this event. Now, it should be pointed out, this is standard operating procedure for the NFL. There's a quote from an NFL spokesperson. We're planning on playing Super Bowl 56 is scheduled at SoFi Stadium in L.A. As part of our standard contingency planning process that we conduct for all regular and postseason games, 
We've contacted several clubs to inquire about stadium availability in the event. We cannot play the Super Bowl as scheduled due to weather-related issues or unforeseen circumstances. Our planning process for the Super Bowl in L.A. ahead of schedule, and we look forward to hosting the Super Bowl there to culminate another fantastic NFL season for our fans <laughs> and for our clubs. But a little bit of a shot across the bow, like, hey, you know, we're, we're monitoring what's happening in L.A. It's standard operating procedure, but we see what's going on out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to have these plans for an institution that large, uh, You it, just in case there's a fire at the stadium or the roof caves in or there's a major rainstorm and everything's flooded, you have to be able to pivot and still play your content. This is directly related to California extending the mask mandate, using the hospitals as the rationale, and ha being in L.A. County and the state of California, which are two restrictive areas of the country, is just kind of a heads up that this game is coming here on February 13th. It's just weeks away. Right. And the Grammys being postponed yeah. and USC yeah. and UCLA playing behind closed doors. It's sort of a, hey, if you have anything mm -hmm. to say, now's the right. time to say it, Los Angeles. If you feel like you might be stretching your resources for a Super Bowl when they might be required elsewhere, you know, it's a sort of speak now or we're moving forward with this, or we've got this other idea where we will conveniently go to the state of Texas, which I'm sure nobody will read into politically at all. All right, let us come back. we got plenty more to get to. Darren and Jack with you here on a Wednesday night. All right, welcome back. Darren and Jack, Wednesday night, News Radio 600 Kroger with you. You know, we were just talking about the idea that the NFL has made it public, necessary or unnecessary. You all can be the judge that it is doing its due diligence and just exploring other options for Super Bowl 56 scheduled to be in Los Angeles on February 13th, which sort of leads to a question I had asked earlier today over on Extra 1360 during my sports show. Is SoFi Stadium an indoor or an outdoor mm. stadium? Mm. It's got a roof that doesn't open and close, but it's got side paneling that remains open. We had a guest on, Kirk Morrison, who played college football at San Diego State, who works with the L.A. Rams, who said it's an outdoor venue, and his evidence was there was a weather delay earlier this year because there was lightning in L.A., and things that happen outside impact what's happening inside because you have these huge open spaces on the side of the stadium itself. And the only reason I even bring that up is I, that might factor in for some of the protocols that potentially could be in place on February 13th. I think it's a huge factor. I think if it was an indoor stadium we might already be talking about the super bowl moving but because it has those ventilation areas which is something that's key to the pandemic i think it actually moves forward without a problem if you listen to that last soundbite we played for you from dr galley there was no panic in there there was no threat there was no i didn't sense any worry i'm not concerned about the super bowl moving from la but if it was an indoor facility only no retractable roof, no opening of panels, no ventilation, things like that. I'd be a little more concerned here today, given what we just talked about in the opening. Can you imagine, though, if you moved to oh. that of a, a, a closed venue, right? An indoor venue, and then moved it to a different indoor venue in Dallas? Because AT&T Stadium in Dallas is truly an indoor stadium. Well, but again, as you point out, the state of Texas has vastly right. different rules yes. than the state of California. I mean, we're, we are talking about Yeehaw! two things. Yeah. Super Bowl. <laughs> we are talking about, yes, a pandemic, but also a group of restrictions. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. I mean, how would that go over? Uh, if you moved it out I mean, of one indoor venue into another indoor venue? Again, we're sort of splitting hairs here. Yeah. In like our final 20 seconds talking about whether this actually is true indoor or outdoor stadium. 
But that being said, if you moved it from a true indoor to another indoor stadium, man, that would be an interesting conversation. Oh, boy. It would be, be a pretty big show, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if you take the same halftime action. You, know, you take Snoop Dogg and everybody else, you just ship them on down there to Dallas. Who knows what will happen. All right, coming up, plenty more to get to, Darren and Jack. All right, welcome back, Darren and Jack. We're with you on a Wednesday night. You're listening to News Radio 600 Kogo. Thank you for being with us here. Fifth day of January 2021. First 30 minutes of the show, 2022, excuse me. As predicted yesterday, definitely we'll screw that up a couple of times. As predicted or predictable, we have been spending our first half hour talking a bit about COVID mask mandates extended another month here in the state of California. The Grammys, San Diego State basketball, new protocols, USC basketball playing behind closed doors, UCLA basketball, USC both both playing behind closed doors. Talking about the impact of the Super Bowl. Is there going to be an impact? Let's just, I don't know, stick with the sports theme. The Not Sports Show has returned with Darren and Jack on News Radio 600 Kogo. The most amazing thing happened today in a different hemisphere, in a part of the world that I've never been. In Australia, the greatest tennis player who's ever lived in in objective assessment, Novak Djokovic, scheduled to play in the Australian Open, which begins on January 17th. He's the defending champ. He's a nine-time Australian Open champ. Arrived in Melbourne, where the tournament is held. He was stopped at security of the airport. He was ushered to a room where he was guarded by police, told that he had a visa situation, not vaccinated, ended up being put back on an airplane and sent out of Australia, mostly because of his vaccination status. It's an amazing story. After all of the COVID stories that you and I have talked about, you think you'd heard them all. And then you hear this one today in a country where 94, 95% of the population is vaccinated, they screamed bloody murder about this tennis player being granted a privilege that many vaccinated Australians haven't been granted, which is access to the country. The prime minister got involved. They stopped this tennis player at the airport, Jack, and eventually they denied his visa request and sent him home and said, you can't be here. Good luck. Maybe we'll see you down the road. It's incredible. I mean, this is not just some random regular season event. This is Novak Djokovic trying to set the all-time Grand Slam record in the sport of tennis, going after a record, heading to a major, and... I mean, this is... Like you said, you and I have never been to Australia, but it's pretty difficult to get there. It is significantly <laughs> far away here. This is not just flying from London to Paris. I mean, this is, this is trying to get into a remote continent and country one that has been very restrictive during the pandemic Djokovic unvaccinated got a medical exemption from the tournament but not the government and was stopped at immigration he was there in plain time to quarantine presumably he had a negative test right there was no way he could have even set foot on Australian soil without a negative test but he's unvaccinated and the country threw such a fit that after he was detained without access to his cell phone, under police guard, he was sent back after all of that travel and all the difficulty of getting the exemption, he was sent away because of the public outcry. And 
you kind of understand that with all the inconsistencies of the last two years, how people can be frustrated. But Australia in particular, like New Zealand, has been very restrictive. The travel, the lack thereof, the lack of entry and exit from the country has been pretty stifling. And to see that happen there grew into outrage, and he's not going to play. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it became an international incident with this player in particular. Again, a guy who has experienced tremendous success, almost unprecedented success in Australia, and somebody who stands on the cusp of doing something that has never been done before, winning a 21st Grand Slam tournament. Somebody made this analogy earlier today over on my Extra 1360 show. This would be like Tiger Woods, ready, tied with Jack Nicklaus, Yes. ready to break Jack's record. He arrives at the British Open, and Boris Johnson goes, that guy's not coming in this country because of a decision that he chose, uh, a, a made a medical decision he chose not to get vaccinated, even though, you know, these rules are all over the place at times. It's been pretty consistent in Australia. I know people think it's, it's heavy-handed and draconian here. I mean, you should go take a look at what they're doing in Australia. Mm-hmm. They don't even let their own citizens in. True story. Like, there are countless Aussie citizens who are not allowed back into their home country, who are stranded in faraway places because they visited countries that, that are on restricted lists for Australia. It's it's something else, I'll tell you. But, you know, this story in particular, it's just it's amazing. The state government said it has refused to formally support Djokovic's visa application reported that the visa which he attempted to enter Australia does not allow for exemptions for unvaccinated applicants. So he had claimed he had some medical situation, couldn't get vaccinated, even though he's taken a position of being anti-vaxxer since this all began and well before we ever heard of COVID-19. They granted him this exemption. He arrived there and people found out about it because he posted on social media that he had the exemption and they started screaming because they've been in such draconian lockdowns And because a lot of Australians have not seen family members who have been denied access into Australia for the better part of two years. And they stopped them and and they're sending them home tomorrow. That's incredible. I mean, the the amount of effort to get to a remote location like Australia in and of itself is difficult. Obviously, um, people of this kind of stature and wealth and success uh, don't fly like you and I would fly there. But still. To get to Australia is a significant effort. He did have a medical exemption from the tournament, but that didn't matter to the government. Visas are visas, and they stopped him right away. Yeah, by the way, I mean, again, the the highest elected official in the land. On Wednesday, Scott Morrison, the Australian Prime Minister, says The Guardian, added his voice to the Fuhrer, saying Djokovic would be, quote, on the next plane home if he was unable to provide proof of his medical exemption. Quote, if that evidence is insufficient, he won't be treated any different than anybody else, and he'll be on the next plane home. There should be no special rules for Novak Djokovic at all, none whatsoever. And I got to admit, say what you want about their rules, but at least they're being consistent with them. That's true. Uh, The the thing that breeds the discontent is inconsistency. Um, is hypocrisy and all the, this does bring up where many other parts of the world, including the U.S. at times, have been back and forth and inconsistent. And that, that really that doesn't help your case. So that, and to that end, that is very true. Yeah, I mean, you want to get people running out in the streets and not complying, you know, yeah, as fatigued right. as they might buy, be by this? Yep. Allow a tennis player into your country who's not vaccinated, who's got some silly exemption that clearly didn't pass muster while you're keeping your own citizens in foreign countries. Yeah, that's right. And so they, they, they put their foot down. Again, uh, I, I'm pretty surprised that a tournament of the Australian Open stature 
wouldn't have checked with the local either state or federal governments in Australia before they issued him the medical exemption. That's pretty surprising. Right. And, it, you know, it's also up to the player, though. He uh, certainly sure. is, is uh, uh, you know, he should have his privacy respected if he doesn't want to reveal what it is and why it is. Again, he's taken anti-vaccine positions in the past, so everybody just thinks it's part of that bigger conversation and an ongoing conversation with him. Very on brand, if you know anything about this tennis player. That said, if you do have a true medical condition and you feel like this exemption is perfectly justified, nobody's stopping you from sharing with it what it is. Mm -hmm. And he's chosen not to do that. Again, his right, and he's entitled to his privacy, but his privacy in this situation doesn't seem to be helping him make the case that he should remain in Australia either. Again, I mean, to me, one of the, the prime many... ministers involved. <laughs> that's incredible. That's how high profile this is. I mean, that, the analogy with Tiger and Jack Nicholas is a very good one because that's how high profile would be in our country if that happened. So, getting the prime minister involved again, I don't want to shortchange the fact that this is Australia. It's not him flying from Eastern Europe to Spain. Like this is this is across the globe right. to try and get to this place and then immediately to be turned around and sent home after being detained. Right. I mean, it's almost like they, you know, they lured him there just to make a spectacle of the situation. I mean, a cynical person would say that. Hmm. Or, you know, or the Fuhrer became so unmanageable why he was flying the 20 hours or whatever it is while he's over some ocean someplace. They're like, hey, we have no choice but to turn this guy around when he gets here. That's right. And that's probably what it was. Oh, man. What an incredible story. It is. Uh, Again, you think you'd seen it all. Then you see that. You go, man, I'm not expecting that one today. So, again... Great tennis player, thought he had an exemption, landed, found out you can't go anyplace, come into this room, we're going to guard you with police, and you have to be on the first plane back home, says the prime minister, not some pencil pusher trying to make a name for himself or herself in that situation. All right, one final segment to go. Darren and Welcome back, Darren and Jack. It is News Radio 600 Kogo. Kogo celebrating the best in podcasting at the 2022 iHeartRadio Podcast Awards coming up Thursday, February 3rd. Maybe. Almost 100 million people listen to podcasts every month. We're recognizing the very best of the best. You can check out over 275,000 of the best podcasts right now on the iHeartRadio app. The reason I said maybe is I believe that is scheduled for an indoor venue in Los Angeles. So fingers crossed. I hope it happens. By the way, this is radio too, podcasting. So I think we can get around, you know, having a lot of people around, right? This is it's the beauty of radio, right? The magic, of right? Radio, we'll just put right? it on a podcast. Somebody will listen to it later exactly. at their exactly. at their own convenience. Hey, if I might, Jack, before we hear from Chris Van Gorder, he's the CEO for Scripps Health. I do want to uh, mention because he put it out there on social media. Um, hey, uh, Scott Lewis, we hope you get better soon. He announced today on social media that he had tested positive has tested positive. For COVID, guess what? Mild symptoms, fully vaccinated, boosted, slight fever, a little bit run down, staying in bed. So uh, a guy who's been a frequent contributor to this, to this show, I uh, just want to say uh, we wish him well. Absolutely. He's our guy. I wish him a quick recovery. It does sound from what he posted like that's going to happen here relatively soon. That's great news. Boosted obviously being a big factor in that. So uh, we wish our buddy well. And somebody who has said over and over and over again here and on other radio stations that, listen, it's just a matter of when we all get this, prepare yourself as best you can, and then your body will be in a fighting position to handle COVID-19, whether it's Omicron, Delta, or what have you. All right. So part of the rationale behind California extending its mask mandate to at least February 15th was hospitalizations. Jack, you had a chance earlier today to speak with the CEO of Scripps Health. 
Yeah, Chris Van Gorder is the CEO of Scripps Health, and you're right. Everything we've talked about tonight comes back to the fact that California is getting a little concerned, not, there's no, no panic or anything like that, about hospitals filling up with COVID cases and non-COVID cases. And so they want, this is the rationale for extending the mask mandate, for keeping some restrictions in place and looking at it this way. And Chris Van Gorder is explaining what is happening in San Diego to kind of put to rest what the impact is? We've got an interesting situation going on right now with COVID. Um, give you a, a picture of it. On Christmas Eve, we had 80 uh, COVID inpatients uh, in our hospitals. Uh, today, we have 210. That's an increase of 130 COVID patients in just 11 days. Uh, so our hospital is, is fairly, our hospitals are fairly um, impacted right now with COVID. But the big concern I have this year is more about our staffing. Last year at this time, we had about 500 patients. So a lot of people are saying, well, if you could take care of 500 patients last year, how come 210 patients is an issue today? And, they, and, the, and the reality is today my own employees are getting sick. Because Omicron is so highly infectious, um, I've got right now 702 employees out on unscheduled time off uh, because of COVID. That's 14.5% uh, of my workforce. So just as the San Diego Fire Department announced today that they have 13% of their workforce with COVID and they're going to have impacts, brownouts, and other things with their stations, um, our hospitals, and I suspect it's true for all the hospitals, is having the same kind of an issue. The difference is we can't shut down our hospitals. In fact, yesterday, uh, all the hospitals in San Diego County were on bypass. When that happens, the county takes all of them off bypass. So um, even though we may not have beds and we may not have staff, those ambulances are still coming into our hospital with patients that need emergency care. So it's a, it's a very serious condition, um, and we want to make sure that the public's aware of that. Um, just to give you an idea on the employee side, we had 43 employees positive for COVID in, in October, 49 in November, um, and December 460, and 370 of those were uh, just from uh, December 27th, and now we're up to, you know, close to, well, as I said, 702 at this point that are out. So um, we need our the public to be aware of the situation. Number one, you've got to get vaccinated. If you haven't yet, get vaccinated and get those boosters. Um, we don't need you in the hospital. And if you're vaccinated and you have that booster, it's very unlikely that you're going to have to be hospitalized. Only 3% of our current uh, inpatients with COVID uh, were vaccinated with a booster. About 15% just were vaccinated. So it's obviously important with Omicron to get the vaccination and the booster. The second message is if you're not sick requiring emergency care, please do not come to the emergency departments. Uh, we are inundated now with, with patients, many of them coming just to get a COVID test. And the emergency departments are not the place to go just to get a COVID test. There's county testing centers, there's pharmacies and other places where you can go get tested. They, the hospitals cannot take that on right now. If you come to them, we have to treat you by law. We have to see you by law and that ties things up. The third message is you know, be patient with the healthcare system, both the EMS system and uh, the emergency rooms and the hospitals. Uh, this morning I had probably, well, I had 19 patients waiting for beds um, in uh, Chula Vista, probably twice that at La Jolla and Mercy and Encinitas, um, and I had five beds available in the entire healthcare system, eight ICU beds. So our, our patients are getting backed up in the emergency departments. As we discharge patients, we will admit them, uh, but we are having, you know, a real throughput problem in our hospitals because of our own staffing issues and because so many patients are coming to the hospital. So that's really our message. 
just one other thing, and that's try to be kind to the healthcare workers. Our people are extraordinarily tired. This is go- they're going into three years now with COVID. There's a lot of heroics going on. Um, we have employees and doctors that are taking on extra shifts because their colleagues are sick. Um, and believe it or not, a lot of people are coming in and abusing the staff. They're yelling and screaming at them. They're upset because they have to wait so long. And that's not helping us. Uh, that makes even more employees not want to come into work and not take extra shifts. So be tolerant of the healthcare workers. They really are heroes. They're really stepping up to take care of you. And let's not abuse the EMS and the hospital system right now. Otherwise, we're here to try to take care of you and you will get quality care. All right. That is Chris Van Gorder. He's the CEO for Scripps Health. There is a lot of, lot to, to unpack there. I, I don't know what it is, Jack, that stood out to you. I took a couple of notes while I was listening there. I, I would probably say 3% hospitalized with a booster shot, mm-hmm. 15% of all hospitalizations at Scripps Health vaccinated, even without a booster. There was a lot. I, I could have said 702 employees are currently out. I could have talked about the jump. What, what stood out to you? You're right. I mean, that means 82% of hospitalizations are the unvaccinated in San Diego. 82% of people going to the hospital with COVID are unvaccinated. Um, he talked about don't going there, don't go to the hospital to get a test, go somewhere else. If, if, but if you need emergency care, go for it. But if you don't, please don't come to the hospital. They're legally and you count as a COVID patient. And then, yeah, 14.5% of the hospital workforce being out right now. This is the pandemic is impacting the workforce right now. That's primarily why California is keeping an eye on the hospitals. It's not necessarily because there's more cases or more hospitalizations. There's drastically fewer. But it's the, so the, the supply chain and the support staff they're lacking. October, November, December, January, the numbers of staff out sick for Scripps, 43, 49, 460, 702. It's pretty dramatic. Yeah, it, it's a huge jump. And that's Omicron. It's the holidays put together. And so this is, this is again, this is what we're talking about all night long here. This is the reason why. This is why California's keeping an eye on it. It's why they're extending the mask mandate. It's these kinds of reasons. I also think, too, the plea at the end, hey, like, and, and it should go without saying, however you feel about mandates, however you feel about vaccines, like, the healthcare workers are doing their jobs. You know, they, they've had a real rough go of it here for 21 months. Let's not make their lives and the essential workers and the grocery store workers and the restaurant workers and the people who are relying on those paychecks. Let's not make their lives any more miserable or miserable at all just because you might disagree with a certain policy, whether you're on one side or the other on that one. So really good stuff there from Chris Van Gorder. Really good information as well. All right. Well, we'll be back at it tomorrow, and we'll see you here 7 o'clock on News Radio.